1: you.
2: Thank you, Dom. Good morning, church. You know, I, uh, as usual, you know, I'll come to you with a story or two, and and we'll visit here a little bit, but, uh, you know, I kind of had a special day come around here about a week or so ago, and, uh, you know, uh, most people don't even, you know, we're celebrating one birthday today. That's outstanding. But I had a birthday, too, here about a week ago. And uh, most of the time, you know, we kind of pass those birthdays besides, you know, and we're like, eh, just another year, you know. But this is a birthday that I'm very, very proud of, and I'm, I'm very fond of, and, and I'm very thankful for. For, you know, this birthday happened on January 7th, 1994. And I can see some of you, the wheels are starting to do, do the math a little bit. And you're kind of like, yo, this dude up here is not 28 years old. He's bald-headed, he has a gray beard, and he's too stinking lazy to tuck his shirt in. There is no way that he's 28 years old. But let me tell you what did happen 28 years ago on January 7th. That was the last day I took a drink of alcohol. And thank you. That was the day that changed my life forever. For it was a few days after that that i was on my knees in that rehab center and gave my life to jesus turned it over i was reborn born again as it says i became a christian praise god you know we uh you look at people that uh maybe they had cancer went to the doctor got back out of report cancer free cancer gone praise god Maybe you are uh, know people that have heart issues, okay, that have had stints and bypasses and all this good stuff, but they're healthy and they're going now. Praise God. These are pretty big ticket items, aren't they? These are big things that we're praising God about, isn't it? What about the little things? Do we praise Him? You know, as we looked this morning and Don went over the prayer request and they were in the, in the bulletin this morning, the, all those things over there on the left, I think that's fabulous. And I say that if you ever have any issues, you ever have any problems, you need to let these people know. And it needs to be in there so that we can pray over it, so that we can pray over you. Because I think it says in here somewhere, something about the fact that, uh, you know, that if two or more gather and pray over something, um, something about that it will be done. I think it says that in there somewhere, you know. And I think we need to stand on that. We need to stand on God's Word. He didn't just put it out there just for us to kind of feel good about did He? He put it out there for us to stand on it and to believe in it and to go forth with it. But as we praise God and we look at God, you know, do we really praise Him every day over the little things? What about the little things you do every day in your life that happen to you? I think a lot of times we kind of get to taking credit for some of those things ourselves, don't we? Instead of giving credit where credit is due. You know, what about, um, you know, this morning, if any of you were up early, it was a beautiful, beautiful, crisp morning. The sun was shining. Praise God. How many of you got in your car this morning and it started? <laughs> Praise God. Because maybe it didn't Yesterday. You know, there's all these little things, you know, and and what about you're going to get in your car tomorrow and go to a job, go to work. Praise God. And for all you kids that are going to school, you get to go to school tomorrow. Praise God. And most of you are sitting here, really, dude? you got to be kidding me. But where were you a year ago? Weren't you doing it online and remotely? What's better? I think going to school, isn't it? Being with your friends. Praise God, you know, so as we go forth and we and we look at things and we look at our everyday life and the everyday's that that Jesus touches us and deals with us, I think we need to give him praise because it seems like a lot of times. The only time we really want to talk to Jesus and talk to God is what when we have a problem, when we have an issue instead of saying, hey, dude, you're doing a pretty good job. Thank you for that. Because the way I see, see Jesus and, or I see God is that, you know, a lot of people picture him in different ways. In my very simple mind, I picture him still as the majestic person that looks over all of us. But I see him as my buddy, too. And when my friend does something good and you want to show him appreciation, what do you usually do? Don't you walk up and pat him on the back? Say, hey, good job, bud. Every time that we say, praise God. I think we're doing that exact thing. We're patting God on the back and telling him, Thanks, dude. You're doing a good job. So as we go forth this week, and well, as we as we take the the, the elements here in a minute, the bread and the juice, you know, and we remember what Jesus did for us. The horrendous beating and thrashing that this man took. To be ridiculed, to be Hung up on that cross, jabbed in the side with that spear, thrown in that tomb. But yet what? Three days later, he rose, didn't he? So that all of our sins were forgiven. So is there a more perfect time for any of us to be able to stand up and say, praise God. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we praise you and thank you. Father, thank you for the ultimate sacrifice. It's just, it's, it's jaw-dropping, Jesus, that you would do that for us, that you would do that for me. I'm just in awe. Jesus, the power that you have, that you're able to take things in our life. You're able to turn lives around. You're able to heal us, to protect us. And as we go forth in the coming week. As that you, I lift everyone in this room and up, and that's online Line up to you. That you guide us. You give us knowledge. You give us wisdom, and you give us health, so that we can go to the work, in the way that you want it to be done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Eight-year-old
0: Philip prayed all night. At least till he fell asleep. You see, he had been at church that day and he'd heard a preacher talk from Mark chapter 5, I think, where Jesus says, ask anything you want in my name and it will be given to you. And he heard that and he believed it. So he went home all Sunday afternoon and he prayed and he prayed in his room. He came down for supper, but he went back in his room and prayed because Philip had a club foot. He didn't have any toes on his left foot. It was, it was deformed, and, and it caused him to walk with a limp. And he couldn't run with the other boys, and he so desperately wanted to play. And he heard that preacher say that, so he believed it, and he prayed all afternoon. He came down for supper. He went back upstairs. He prayed, prayed, prayed. And he was in bed praying. It was a cold winter night, and he was praying, and he, he just had this vision. He said, what if my prayers are not going through because I'm comfortable? So he gets up, he gets out of prayer, strips naked and gets down on his knees and he prays for hours and until he's, he's just so cold, he's shivering, his teeth are chattering. He finally crawls back in bed and keeps praying until he falls asleep. And he must have fallen hard asleep because his mother came to wake him up and the next morning he woke up and he was kind of groggy and then he went, today's the day of the miracle. And he started to reach down and feel his foot, but he said, no, no, that would be doubting God, so I'm not going to do that. And he allowed his... He, so he started to get out of bed, and he allowed his foot to drag against the other foot so he could feel everything, and, and he felt there were no new toes, and there was nothing different. And he got up, and he came downstairs. His mother saw him and said he looked very dejected. She said, I guess... Nothing's ever going to change. This story is told by the great British poet and, and storyteller and writer Somerset Maugham. It was in his book called Of Human Bondage. But we find out later on in life that it was very autobiographical about the writer Somerset Maugham. Not that he had a club foot, but he battled something in his life. And he prayed so hard. He stuttered. A writer and a and a teacher but he had this stuttering problem and everybody made fun of him so he prayed and he prayed and it didn't go away a similar story is told by George Orwell that wrote 1984 the same situation he was away at boarding school and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed that he wouldn't wet the bed anymore because all of the other little boys made fun of him but it still kept happening and both of these gentlemen went on to have real crisis of faith They really couldn't figure out God and they didn't walk with God because their situations sounded like unanswered prayer. So let me ask you this. Does unanswered prayer create a barrier to our faith? We're in this series called A People of Prayer. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. If you're joining us online or on the radio, join us in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read there in just a minute. But I want to define something for a second. When I say the word praise unanswered prayer, it, it cringes on me because I do, and a lot of people believe that every prayer is answered. And I, I'm not in any way trying to change that. But can for today, for this discussion, can we define unanswered prayer as prayer that is not answered the way I want it okay does that make sense that's what I'm talking about when I say unanswered prayer and we come in here and we sing songs of all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good I'll sing of the goodness of God well will we sing of the goodness of God when it doesn't look so good for us this passage in Matthew chapter 11, if you've been here any amount of time, you know that we have looked at this before and you're going to say, hey, is this a rerun? No, I want to look at it in a different vein. In fact, John the Baptist is not even praying here, but he's discussing and it, I want, it to, I want you to read this and think this through in the framework of prayer. Does prayer really work? Does the concept of talking to Jesus really make a difference? Join me Matthew chapter 11. And it starts this way. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. The good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. In 2003, Jim Carrey made a movie called Bruce Almighty. Many of you might have seen it. It's an interesting story. He's a, he's a newscaster in Buffalo, New York, and his life just keeps going haywire. And he throws a fit one day, and he says, man, God doesn't listen. I wish he'd listen. And I mean, I could do a better job. So God answered his prayer. And he shows up, and it's Morgan Freeman, who's, you know, that's a pretty good character to play. Morgan Freeman shows up, and he's God, and he says, all right, you be God. I'm going to give you a week. I'm going to go on vacation. You take the job of God, and you have to deal with everybody. You have to deal with prayers so the the scene you're going to see in just a minute i want i want to set it up for you Uh, he has been god for a few days or hours and he is really struggling and all of these prayers are keep coming in he keeps hearing these voices i want you to see how jim carrey responds to prayer and i want you to see if this is how you would respond if you were god if you follow the movie everybody won the lottery but you only got like $3 because everybody prayed for the lottery. Huh? And you hear a little phrase in there, what a bunch of whiners. If we were in that role, would we, would we be much different? You see, prayer is not Santa's list of all the things that we want. Prayer is the alignment of our hearts with God. But what happens when we pray and we don't get the answer that we want? In this passage we read just a minute ago, John the Baptist is in prison. He is in prison, and he asks a question, are you the Messiah? And now, if you know much about John the Baptist or the Bible, you're like, how in the world could he ask that question? John the Baptist was the first person to recognize Jesus. I mean, he was in his mom's tummy, and Mary came to see Miss Aunt Elizabeth, and it said the baby left within her womb. So he's known Jesus since before birth. He, he preached about him. He baptized him. He has traveled and preached and baptized and heard the voice of God. Why on earth would John ask a question like, are you the Messiah or are we waiting for somebody real? I'll tell you why. Because of one word. He was in prison. In verse 2 it says he was in prison, but there's another word that doesn't show up in Scripture. scripture. It's called maturus mattress is the name of the prison it doesn't show up there but history tells us this is where john the baptist was imprisoned it's about a hundred miles from where jesus was so that's like five or six days of travel and mattress prison is down by the dead sea and it's down on the edge of the sea there is a nice mansion up the hill apparently but down there is where the prison was and this is not a nice country club prison it is a rat hole. It is, it's cold because the wind comes off the water. There is no visitation. There's no yard to go work in. It is a dungeon. And he is there not because he killed somebody, not because he stole somebody, or he's a drug dealer. He's there because he spoke up against sin, against Herod's sin. Herod was a jerk, and he had him thrown in prison for standing up for what is right. And it just keeps reminding me that sometimes we look at our situations and if things aren't going right, we we say, well, God must not love me. Folks, your circumstances do not necessarily equate with how God feels about you, how God feels about me. And he, he is in a rotten situation, but God still loves him. Yet John the Baptist asked this question. Why does he ask this question? Now, some will say it's because he's depressed. I think that would be appropriate, don't you? I think he's discouraged. He is in prison for doing the right thing. Now, he knew Jesus, but he still had moments of doubt. I love... Looking in Scripture and realizing God does not put perfect people in here. <laughs> he, he puts a lot of knuckleheads in there, right? People that blow it. People that mess up. I mean, Abraham, Moses, David, all the way in the New Testament. Paul and Peter and even John the Baptist. They have doubts. They have fears. They question themselves. They question God. If you're here today, you're watching online, you just tuned in, you're not sure if you believe all of this Jesus stuff, I'm just so thankful you're listening. It's real to have doubts. It's real to, to not have everything understood because that's what happened in Scripture. Have you ever been there? You do all the right things, but you still keep waiting for an answer. You've wanted a job for a long time. You see now hiring signs everywhere, but they're all hiring somebody else. They're not hiring you. Maybe you've been single for a long time. And you've struggled because you see everybody else in a relationship and not you. Maybe you're dealing with a custody battle. You do the right things, and the other party keeps saying awful things and lies about you, and you have to put up with all that junk. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's finances. You keep praying, and if things don't tend to get worked out, maybe it's addiction. You keep praying, but they still keep going to the bottle. Maybe it's a teenager. You're trying to deal with a teenager at home attitude and anxiety and expense. Maybe it's a child that's grown that has gone away from the Lord. And you're trying to figure out. You keep praying and and you just keep wondering, when are they going to get it? When are they going to get it? And why aren't my prayers being answered? It just keeps wearing you out. Friends, I wish I had an answer for you. I wish I had an easy button and I could say, this is the week that your prayers get answered. But you know what Jesus does in this very story? He says the exact opposite of that. He says... Jesus doesn't answer John in the way that I think he was hoping. Now, I don't know John's mind, but I'm suspecting, okay? You're sitting in prison. Would it be fair for John to be sitting there going, Do you think he forgot about me? Would, it be, would that be a reasonable response? John's sitting here rotting away in this prison. He's like, Hey, man, what about me? I did all these things for you. You know, if you'd get me out of this prison, then we could both go around telling how you're the Messiah. You're, you are great. Oh, yeah, Jesus could have done that, but he didn't. Which poses a question. Can God answer your prayers and you not hear it? See, that's that's hard. God might have already answered your prayer, but he didn't answer it in the way you wanted it. It didn't come right then. Maybe the answer was wait. Maybe the answer was no. And we're not willing to listen for God. We see it all through Scripture. In the Old Testament, Joseph was there and he served God. And he got thrown in prison for it. He was doing the right thing. This woman was coming on to him. He ran away. She screams rape. He gets thrown in prison. What a rotten deal. While he's in prison, he helps other people. They forget about him. He's sitting there rotten for two or three years. He did the right thing. He got thrown in prison. Daniel did the right thing. He got down on his knees. He prayed to God. He opened the windows. He got thrown in a lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in a fiery furnace. Maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe you're tuning in, and you've been thrown. You're in a bad situation. Things are not working your way. You come in here, and we're singing, all of my life you have been faithful. And you're sitting there going, but, but he's been faithful to me. And it's hard to hear that, and I understand that. You're not crazy to come in here and hear songs like that and, and have this, but, but if, is it working out for me? You see, it's very easy to be in a questioning place. But friends, we've got to get this. Our faith has got to be in the character of God, not in our circumstances. Because it's in our circumstances it's going to blow with the wind. Our faith has got to be in the consistency of God. How does Jesus respond to John's question? He tells him, just go tell them what you see. Go tell them what you see. Notice he tells his, John's followers who've traveled five or six days to come, he says, just go and tell them what you see. Blind people see, deaf people hear, lame people walk, leprosy's cured. People are, things are happening. Just tell them what you see. Notice he didn't tell them, hey, here's a prepared speech. He didn't say, hey, take this track back to him. He said, just tell them what you see. And this is the part where you and I join into this story. Do you realize what you sang a little while ago? We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of our testimony. He designed us to overcome the discouragement of our world by testifying how great He is. Now, track with me. When things are not working in your world, when your answers are not coming in the speed that you want them, what is your testimony? Are you testifying to the goodness of God? Like Mike was saying, are you talking about praise God of these things? Or are we whining about our situations? You hear me? Just like Jim Carrey, what a bunch of whiners. I'm not griping. I'm just saying, what are the things that are happening, and what are you talking about? Tell of the evidence of what you have seen God do in your life. You took me out of Egypt. You, You snatched me. You stepped into my Egypt. You took me by the hand. I will speak Jesus over addiction, over depression, over anxiety. I will speak the name of Jesus. Folks, we need to be talking about how he has come through. We need to testify to his goodness even when things aren't good in our perceived world. But there's one other thing that Jesus adds to this answer to John. He adds this little phrase, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Can I just tell you this verse has messed with me for years. You'll be blessed if you don't turn away because of me? Why would anyone turn away because of Jesus? That's dumb. That just seems backwards. Let me see if I can make some ex- explanation here. This statement, though, is such a game changer. Can, can God work in somebody else's life and not you're not seeing it in your life, can that cause problems in your faith? The answer you're looking for is yes. It absolutely can. It can cause jealousy. How come it's working out for them, but it's not working out for me? It can cause mom guilt. Anybody heard of mom guilt? It can cause. How come her kids are working out, and mine are hoodlums? Anybody? There's such a thing as dad guilt too. Okay. It can cause. How come things are working out elsewhere? How come? Or, or it can cause doubt. I've been praying, and I've been praying, and nothing seems to change. Maybe he's just not there. Friends, it is in those times when our our situations are not great that we got to dig in deeper. we got to lean in harder to how great our God is. I need thee every hour, not just an hour on Sunday. You hearing me? I need to be close to him. And I'm not saying go work harder at your Christianity. I'm saying lean in harder to the goodness of God. Declaring his greatness and waiting when others are getting answers. Hey, that's tough. But you know what that is? That's faith. That's what he's calling our prayer life to be based on faith. He says, John, you will be blessed if you don't fall away because of me. If you read between the lines, you know what he's promising right there? he's promising pain he's promising waiting (laughs) he's promising the answers aren't going to come the way you want at the speed you want and when we understand that about prayer when we have a godly view of prayer it will help us to understand the power of prayer that prayer really does work but it is not santa's list and i want to tag off something that mike said here too when you notice God, you will, you will see his presence more. Now, when I say that or you read that, it kind of sounds redundant. <laughs> when you see God, you'll see God? Really? Is that, as, is that your depth there, Don? No, when you start looking for how God is working, and you start declaring, man, this morning was beautiful. Man, my car started. Man, things are there are some good things. When you start seeing him work, you're going to see more evidence of him working. And it's going to be easier to declare it, that our God is great and we, we have seen the goodness of God. And then our circumstances don't equate to how God feels about us. Suddenly the, the prayers aren't, I wonder if I'm ever going to get this, I wonder when I'm going to get this. It's, will you trust him? That's the question we need to be asking. And I, I say all of that to get to this next slide, because this is important for us to understand how prayer works. You see, when we use happiness, or we use contentment, or we use our prayers getting answered as a barometer of God's work, well, first of all, it's wrong. And second of all, it's, it sets us up for a bad place. It sets us up for a place of deception. Let me see if I can explain it is not a very it's not a very long journey to go from I love God to God wants me to be happy. Anybody heard the God wants me to be happy stuff? We've seen that out there. Oh, do more things that make you happy. Wrong. That is not godly theology. And it's easy to be deceived because if we set up our circumstances as the barometer of how God is working hey everything's going great well then God loves me oh everything's terrible God must hate me you see then we get wrong theology and we don't understand how prayer works and I can prove it to you in one exact way this story about John the Baptist does not have a happy ending John the Baptist never gets out of that prison he's beheaded on the whim of an ungodly woman and her ungodly daughter it's a stupid, it's a horrible story. It's awful. This is not how this should work, God. Let me do this. I, I want to rewrite that story. John the Baptist gets. No, no. It doesn't work out well for him. Sometimes things don't work out the way we want. Will we? Will we think God has abandoned us? You see, if we want to be a people of prayer, then we've got to have an understanding of prayer. We've got to understand that prayer works, but it, it may not work our way. A people of prayer keep praying even when the results don't come the way you want them to come. So let me ask you a couple of three tough questions. If we're really going to understand how prayer works and we're really going to be a people of prayer, then we've got to have the guts to look in the mirror and ask some tough questions. Will you pray when the answer doesn't show up right then let's see think that through will you pray will you keep praying the passage we read last week he said keep on asking keep on seeking keep on knocking will you pray even though you haven't got an answer that you perceive because the people of prayer keep praying let me ask you a second one will you align yourself with god's plans or will you keep going to God with your plans and saying, "Bless my stuff," because I'm afraid too often that's where our prayer life ends up. If we're going to be a people of prayer, a godly people, then we're going to understand. I desire His heart. I desire His life. Have you put on God some of the things that you should have, you think should happen? I think that past, that uh, clip from Jim Carrey is is incredibly powerful from a Christian standpoint. Because a lot of us think, well, God should just give everybody what they want. But that's not God's ways. And a people of prayer understand that prayer works when we surrender to God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good, so I will sing of the goodness of God. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Even if the answers don't come the way I want. Will you be a people of prayer? Let's pray together. Father, you truly have been faithful. And we want to sing of you. Of your power of Your strength, of Your healing, that Your name is life. Father, may we be a people that understand the gift of prayer. Thank You so much for giving us this venue, that You listen, that You care. Father, we know prayer works. It changes our heart. It changes our attitude. So change us today. May we not be deceived by worldly thoughts, but be surrendered to you. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.